Welcome to Lead On, a program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary. It's my joy each week to talk with you about a practical issue that's facing us as pastors, administrators, elders, deacons, directors, people who are involved in ministry leadership, trying to lead churches and Christian organizations. This program is for you. Now today, I want to talk about an interesting subject, and that is, as a leader, when do you know it's time to change your mind? When do you know it's time to change your mind? For example, a person recently called me and said, hey, I've got a real dilemma. This has always been my conviction, but I've come into some new data, some new information, some new perspective, and I'm really thinking about changing my mind. And going an entirely different direction. And I just wanted to talk with you about this and see if I'm processing this correctly or if I'm missing something in the in the translation, so to speak. And so we worked through his issue, and frankly, he changed his mind. He'd always had one conviction, and he came out with a different conclusion. So you're a leader. When do you know that it's time to change your mind? Leaders have strong opinions. We We study long and hard before we make up our minds, and then we hold to our positions. I sometimes like to joke, I may be wrong, but I'm never in doubt. Now, that's only funny if you know me really well. I may be wrong, but I'm never in doubt. Leaders hold convictions. Uh, We don't adopt every new idea that comes along. We we cherish timeless truth, and we, we want to implement proven strategies. We aren't swayed by every wind of doctrine or web-driven fad that comes along. Listen, we want to hold on to what we know is true and right and proven. But despite how firmly we hold to our convictions and our information— Leaders are also learners. That means we're open to new ideas. So when, we're, when we discover new insights, we're humble enough to admit that we need to change and we decide to change our minds. And sometimes when we're wrong or maybe when we've been wrong in the past, we have to admit it and move forward. You know, in the Bible, there's a really good example of a leader who changed his mind. It's the story of Peter, and you can read this in Acts chapters 9 and 10. It's the story of Peter coming to fully embrace the fact that gospel was for everyone. You know, Peter's travels took him to a place called Joppa, and there he stayed in the home of Simon the Tanner. Now, that's a foreshadowing of some coming events. For Peter was a Jewish man, and he was staying with a person who practiced an unclean occupation. Now, his willingness to even stay there indicated his openness to relate to people individually as opposed to law or tradition, which forbade him from being in such a location. Then there was another man, Cornelius, who enters the story. He lived in Caesarea about a day's walk away. He was a Roman centurion, and the Bible says a devout God-fearer. Now, one afternoon, Cornelius had a vision of an angel that told him to send to Joppa for a man named Peter. So he promptly sent two servants and a soldier 
to fetch him. Well, it was about noon the next day. Peter was waiting for his lunch, and he had a vision. He saw a large sheet descending from heaven filled with all kinds of animals. And a voice told him to kill something and have it for lunch. Peter, though, reverted to an old pattern. He said, no, Lord. Wow, we see that out a few times in the Bible coming from his lips. No, Lord, he replied. I have never eaten anything common or unclean. But then the voice, the voice of God, spoke again. What God has made clean, you must not call common. Now, this sequence was repeated three times. And then, and then the sheet disappeared into heaven. Man, I could go through this story and point out the threes in this story. Three people who came. Three times the vision was repeated. Three times, perhaps reminding Peter of some other threefold experiences in his life, like the threefold denial of our Lord. But in the context of these stories, Peter was perplexed, and he wondered what the vision might mean that these three messengers, there's that three again, arrived at Simon's house looking for him, and the Spirit prompted Peter to receive these men, hear their message, and go with them to Caesarea. And when they arrived, Cornelius had assembled his whole family and a lot of his friends to hear from Peter. Peter told them that it was forbidden for a Jewish man to visit a foreigner's house, but God had changed his mind. God had changed his mind. The Bible says, quoting Peter, God has shown me that I must not call any person common or unclean. Then Peter asked Cornelius why he had sent for him, and Cornelius recounted his vision and the steps he had taken to follow the instructions he had received, culminating in a request for Peter to teach them whatever God had revealed to him. It was at that point that Peter grasped the full meaning of the events of the past three days. There's that three again. He said, Now, I really understand that God doesn't show favoritism. He is Lord of all. And then Peter preached a gospel message. But before he could even finish his message, the Holy Spirit intervened and the Gentiles began speaking in other languages and praising God. And Peter recognized the Spirit was at work and then baptized everyone who believed that day in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I've gone through this story to help you see a biblical example of a leader who changed his mind. Peter changed his mind about the most crucial issue facing the early church. The gospel was for everyone. It was not only for Jews and Samaritans, it was also for Gentiles. The people Jews had shunned for centuries, God was including as full participants in his kingdom. Now, this seems pretty common to us today, but it was an incredibly dramatic breakthrough in Peter's life as recorded in the book of Acts. The gospel promised to everyone by Jesus really was for everyone, even the cursed 
Gentiles. God moved Peter through this elaborate three-day process with a threefold vision in response to three messengers to establish the gospel among the Gentiles. So, Peter, perhaps the most significant leader in the early church, certainly eclipsed by no one, perhaps equaled by Paul, Peter, this very significant leader, changed his mind. The gospel really was for everyone. Now, this was Peter changing his mind about the most important doctrinal issue in the history of the church. And he would follow through on that new understanding of the gospel by uh, standing up for this inclusive gospel at the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. It was here that he sided with the delegation from Antioch, which was the first Gentile church, and rejected the Judaizers who insisted that conversion followed circumcision. His influence helped win the day. For understanding salvation by grace through faith, apart from any human agency or any human activity, Peter's changing his mind helped secure the gospel as we understand it today for all time. This story illustrates for us that leaders can change their mind. They learn new things and grow. Now, as a leader, you want to learn new insights and be more effective at what you do. When you discover you're wrong, you want to change your mind. When all the informa- with all the information that we have today and all the biblical ideas that are coming at us and all the secular information that's pounded into our minds through media, with all of this that's coming at us, though, it really begs this important question. How do you know when to change your mind? As I said at the beginning, leaders are convictional people. We study long and hard to come to our positions, and then we hold them often at great sacrifice. But how do we know when it's time to change your mind? Well, first, the most obvious answer is when God teaches you something new. Now, God speaks primarily through the Bible and never in contradiction of the Bible. In fact, ignoring that reality is how cults get started, and we want to stay away from going down that path. We're not talking today about special or private interpretations that no one else in the history of the world has ever discovered. No, we want to talk about when we learn something new from the Bible that's really in the context of our orthodox understanding of our faith. The Bible is such an amazing book. A child can read it and understand it, but a scholar can't master it over a lifetime. So no matter how much you know about the Bible, there's always more to learn. And so one of the first ways that you can know as a leader that it's time to change your mind is when you learn something new from the Bible that you'd never experienced or never understood before. And you may say, well, yeah, but shouldn't we just understand the Bible and that lasts us for a lifetime? Well, in a sense, it does. But you're going to discover that as your ministry setting changes, You're going to have learning readiness for new insights from the Bible. So as you start out in ministry, the Bible will speak to you in one way because you'll be applying its teachings into your context and you'll learn some things about how to decide or how to lead in those settings. 
but then you're in ministry leadership for 10 or 20 or 30 years and you move from one role to another and maybe even into a third and you find yourself reading the same Bible but getting new insight from it because it's now interfacing with you in new ways because of new ministry contexts and new ministry settings that you had not yet previously experienced. Here's another way the Bible can teach you new things, and that is as you learn more sophisticated ways to study the Bible, you also learn deeper insights. Now, in my day job, when I'm not hosting this radio show, I lead a seminary. And our specialty there is teaching people how to study the Word of God in very deep and complex uh, and in-depth ways. That's why we require students to learn Greek and Hebrew. That's why we teach entire courses in something called hermeneutics or the science of interpreting Scripture. We work hard at learning about context and historical setting and language and kind of literature and all the other kinds of issues that go into producing deep insight into Scripture. So as you learn these more sophisticated ways to study the Bible, it gives you deeper insight, new insight, and that can lead you to change your mind. And then as you not only improve your study skills and change your leadership settings, but then even beyond that, as simply your life evolves over time, the Bible speaks to you in new and fresh ways. There were time, There's passages of Scripture, for example, that I read about parenting before I was a father, and I thought I understood what they meant. And then I became a father. And I would read those same passages of Scripture and apply them in the context of trying to be a parent, and I would see new insight in the Scripture that I'd never seen before. And it changed my direction or my mind or my perspective. Now I'm a grandfather. And now I read the passages of Scripture about parenting with an entirely different lens. And because of that new lens, I'm learning even more new things about what the Bible teaches about being a parent. And so as my life and as your life evolves and changes over time, it's not that the Bible has changed. It's that this synergistic interweaving of biblical truth with life produces new insights for us, new ideas for us new ways of understanding what the Bible says, and it changes our mind. It changes our thinking. It motivates us to make some different choices and go some different directions because we now believe or see or understand different things. So one way to know it's time to change your mind is when God speaks to you in a fresh way from his word. And again, we're not talking about God speaking in some weird special revelation or some weird cultic idea that leads you away from Orthodox Christianity. We're not talking about that. But in the context of valuing the Bible and understanding it clearly and esteeming it as the Word of God, when you come to it over a lifetime, you're going to get fresh insight, new information, different perspectives. And that's because of several reasons. One, your ministry context and setting is changing. Two, you're learning ever-increasing ways to study the Bible in more depth and with, uh, with greater uh, clarity. And third, your life situation is changing, like I illustrated with being a parent and seeing the Scripture from the time I was before a parent to when I was a parent to now that I'm a grandparent and seeing what the Bible teaches on the subjects. That's just one example of how as your life changes, you encounter the Bible in different ways. So, the first answer to your question is, 
When do you change your mind? When you learn something new from God by studying His Word and letting it interface with your life, your ministry, your context, your capacity for understanding His Word at this point in, at this point in your life. Now, a second reason to change your mind is when you gain new extra-biblical information. Extra-biblical information, meaning that information comes to you that's not really from the Bible, but it changes your leadership style, it changes your professional capabilities, uh, it, it changes your overall competence as a leader, and you get that information and it changes the way you operate. So, for example... I've learned some basic accounting principles, and those basic accounting principles have helped change my mind about corporate financial management and what qualifies as sound financial management. Learning some extra-biblical accounting principles changed my mind about how to handle the resources entrusted to me as an organizational leader. Understanding employment law has made me a better personnel administrator. Simply understanding what can be done and what can't be done in interviewing and evaluating and compensating, helping me to understand that there are actual laws that do govern my work. And by understanding those laws, I can be a better administrator. I can change my mind about how I do certain things. Just recently, I was on a phone call with some other leaders, and they were asking questions about how to do better uh, employee supervision. And I said, well, here's some extra biblical insight I didn't say those exact words, but I was saying, here's some ideas that might help you. And rather than quote chapter and verse, I said, here's some things that come out of our personnel manual. Here's some things that come out of my personnel practices. Here's some things I've learned through the school of hard knocks. But here are some things that will help you to do this better. And the person listening said, man, I've never thought of that before. But now that you say it, it seems so clear. I need to go a different direction on this. He changed his mind. There's some other kinds of biblical and extra-biblical information. Uh, discovering your preferred learning style or your personality profile or your way of expressing or receiving love. Uh, these things are all helpful and insightful, and as you learn new things, you can change your mind. You know, one of the things that's been really challenging for me is learning about my upbringing and how it shaped my psyche as a young man and now as an older man. You know, I grew up in a rather chaotic family setting, a lot of alcohol, a lot of uh, uh, abuse, and just a lot of difficulty. And that really had an impact on me. And as I was growing up, I saw the impact that it had on me. And then in my early adulthood, I saw the impact. And now in my later adulthood, I see the impact. But over my lifetime, as I've learned more and more about that impact and what it did in my life... It's changed my perspective on various things, like changed my perspective on how to be a good husband, changed my perspective on how to handle my anger, changed my perspective on dealing with people who are struggling with addiction and issues like that. My continuing, evolving, and enlarging understanding of what happened to me as a young person and how that's affected me over my adult life has changed my mind and changed the way I think about certain issues and how I connect with them. There's so many other things that provide this kind of extra biblical information like formal education, continuing education, uh, reading, conferences, seminars. You get the idea. All I'm saying is there's this large amount of extra biblical information that comes to us that causes us to change our minds. 
when appropriate. So, when do you change your mind? Well, first of all, when you learn something new from the Bible. And second, when you learn something new that's extra-biblical, not counter or contra-biblical, but extra-biblical, meaning it comes to you from some other source outside the Bible, and you know it to be true, and you know it to be helpful, and you know it to be insightful enough to cause you to change your mind about something. Here's a third example. You should also change your mind when you are wrong. Wow. When you are wrong. If I love you are the three most important words in a romantic relationship, then I was wrong. Maybe the three most important words in a leadership relationship. The capacity to say I was wrong is a very significant statement of changing your mind, which demonstrates humility, flexibility, and a capacity to choose to do what's necessary to fulfill your mission rather than hold on to your prideful arrogance and having to be right. Now, I've only met a few people, but I have met a few who have a really difficult time admitting that they've ever made a mistake. In one of my leadership classes here at the seminary, I actually have an assignment where I have every student write out the story of a significant mistake they've made in leadership. And as a part of that class, I teach a section of material on how to handle a mistake, what do you do when you need to change your mind, and how do you process that, how do you work through it, all of the things that go along with that. And then I have the student use the story that they've written about their own leadership mistake as kind of a case study. They take my material, work through what they did, and determine how they might do better next time. Well, I gave the assignment, write out a story of a leadership mistake and bring it with you to class. We got to class. I said, pull out your leadership mistake story. And at the break, I noticed the one student who really wasn't participating that much in class came up to me and said, Dr. Orge, I'm not able to participate today because, and this is a quote, I've never made a mistake in leadership. I said, you've never made a mistake? He said, no. I've been a ministry leader for about 30 years, and I've never made a mistake. He said, every time I've made a decision, it was the best decision I could make in the moment, so therefore it couldn't have been a mistake. Well, he and I had a long conversation about that. I'd like to tell you that I was successful in changing his mind, but I was not. He left my class convinced that because he had always had good intentions, he had never made a mistake. Let me disabuse you of this myth. You are a leader, you will make mistakes, you have made mistakes. And a good time to change your mind is when you discover that you've made a mistake and it's time to admit it and to move on. You know, some people think that admitting fault or expressing uncertainty or changing your mind lowers your esteem among your followers. The the opposite is actually true. Pride is what motivates our pseudo-perfectionism and really masks our insecurity. We think we're fooling everyone, but we're really not. Followers see through all of this, and they long for honesty. So admitting doubt or uncertainty really establishes our humanity and creates authenticity. And when we are willing to own up to something and say, this is what I formerly thought, and now I've realized I was wrong. This is what I formerly believed, and now I want to go a different direction. It actually demonstrates humility, and our our followers actually Respect us more when we're willing to change our minds and admit that we've been wrong. So, leaders, 
are convictional people. Sometimes, though, we have to change our minds. When do we do that? First, when we learn something new clearly from the Bible. Second, when we learn something that's extra-biblical, meaning it comes to us not necessarily from the Bible, but certainly not in contradiction of the Bible, and that new information changes our minds. And third, we change our minds when we've simply been wrong about something. And we have to step up and say, I was wrong about this. Now I want to go a different direction. I hope you'll be a leader who's willing to change your mind. Be convictional, yes. Stand strong for what you believe in. But if you need to change your mind, do so to serve your mission, to be obedient to God, and to demonstrate to your followers what it means to walk humbly and with authenticity. Do it today as you lead on.